driving it home. With Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Oh, you guys, it's Friday. Oh, man. Hope that you are happy, healthy, and safe wherever you are. And the uh, the kind words that so many people have lavished upon uh, upon me and our moderators, uh, my fellow moderators, uh, Santita Jackson and Jonas Pizzito, uh, I'm really grateful. But as Joan mentioned, uh, for one thing, Santita and Joan, it was just such an honor to share the stage with them. I don't know how uh, they. I, I, I'm I'm ex- I'm still tired from the entire thing, and. Uh, they were absolutely magnificent, and I have to say, uh, folks were like, "You yeah, did a great job." There is absolutely no way uh, we could have pulled any of that off without the incredible planning, uh, the strategizing, the execution of the work from everyone yesterday. Uh, there were there were uh, we had folks that were making sure that candidates were where they needed to be. You know, we had a lot of communication going on about who had arrived, uh, where they were. Um, you know, we made sure that everyone had some food because it was going to be a long day. And uh, and the as Joan mentioned, it was the crafting of the questions was a team effort. Uh, so so many great people involved. They made it easy to do because they did such extraordinary work. So thank you to everyone involved and back here as well. I know Lady B holding down the fort with Terry Ryder, and it was a lot. It was a lot to manage. And uh, again, I, I don't know that I'll ever be a part of something that was so extraordinary as I was yesterday. The uh, the gratitude from folks of having the opportunity to see the candidates and hear their plans, their thoughts, even their demeanor, uh, it was. It was remarkable. And I, and I wondered about this, too, because many of the forums, a lot of the debates tend to be later in the day. Lady B, I kind of think there's something to having having it in the early afternoon that changes the dynamic a little bit too. Um, it was it was incredible. So uh, very grateful for your gratitude. So thank you, everybody. And uh, really, I, my part in it was very small compared to the hard work of our engineers, uh, everyone working the cameras, the audio. I have heard callers uh, earlier today talking about um, how what kind of feat uh, everyone pulled off. So yes, I, I have to tell you, there I, I dare anyone to show me a debate that was uh, better than that, because I have not. I have not seen one. I'm just no, not to pat us on the back, but I'm, it's really everybody here that I want to congratulate. And uh, and so give me a call seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight to join the conversation. I know yesterday we had someone at the end of the show that wanted to, to join the conversation, and uh, we just didn't have time. So. Roosevelt, I didn't mean to cut you off yesterday, and it was a pleasure to see you and your son. I should have taken a selfie with both of you, um, but it was it was great to see you. And uh, there was a, there were some fireworks during the the debate, well, the forum. I know it was a forum. It did get a little. Uh, <laughs> there were some shots fired uh, over the bow and uh, and some direct attacks. And uh, I was really it was it was uh, it was energized. I think is probably the best way to put it. Uh, it was it was incredible. So, thank you to everybody. I'm trying to find, I have to remember how to use this screen, Lady B. Oh, here it is. I got it. So we do have uh, clips from yesterday's conversation, but it looks like uh, Jim has something he wants to talk about separately right now. Hey, Jim, how are you doing today? Hi, Terry. How are you? I'm good. Uh, anyway, I listened to Joan's show today. Paul from Seattle uh, had a, had a random nose. Apparently, the article in the New York Times is. 
Barr and Durham. Durham was, I know there's a mouthpiece for the Republicans. They get dirt on some Democrats in Rome. So they go to Rome to get the dirt. And what happens is there's a warrant for Trump's arrest. And they go, well, we'll have to, we'll have to huddle over that one, you know. And all I could think of was at the Trevi Fountain. He probably got caught wading into the Trevi Fountain grabbing handfuls of coins. You know what I mean? If you do it three times, they really frown on it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you know, what a story. It's in the New York Times today. Yeah. This guy, it just got away. It's incredible. They, they, he can't go to a country without having an arrest warrant out for him. You know what I mean? That's I mean, crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, for my guy, when I was a kid, you had to duck, duck dodge, and hide. You know, <laughs> straight out of jail. Anyway, Terry, you have a great weekend, and thanks for taking my call, Terry. Thank you. Thank you. Well, here, this is uh, from Vox, as Jim was mentioning. Uh, in, 2000, in 2019, a few weeks after the release of special counsel Robert Mueller's report on Russia's interference in the 2016 election, the Trump administration flipped the script and began investing investigating the investigators. And General uh, Attorney General Bill Barr appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham to investigate those government officials who had presume, presumed to look into Donald Trump's ties to Russia. The FBI's Trump-Russia probe, Barr argued, was born of chasing thin conspiracy theories and relied on phony evidence, and its investigators were either blinded by political bias or acting with blatant political motives. And then he and Durham proceeded to do exactly the same thing that they were accusing other people of. Uh, so, yes, in the New York Times, uh, the uh, journalists uh, Charlie Savage, Adam Goldman, and Katie Brenner uh, began digging into exactly what happened uh, during the nearly four-year Durham investigation, which is about, apparently, to conclude. Uh, antidote, after, antidote portrays Durham and Barr as believing in conspiracy theories without evidence, but with clear political motives to bolster one of Trump's favorite arguments that he was the victim of a nefarious plot. So basically, Durham and Barr wanted to prove that uh, Trump, the Trump-Russia investigation was manufactured. Uh, and and it's, in response, they manufactured an investigation. You can't, you can't, you can't write this stuff. I mean, because if I did, like, first of all, this is just a stupid plot. <laughs> it's like you'd be in a writer's room going, "Oh, come on, that's ridiculous. No one's going to buy that." And here we are. Here we are. Uh, if Barr and Durham started off with suspicions, but found upon investigation that they were baseless, that's not necessarily so terrible. As the article goes on, but both men kept on saying or implying publicly that the deep state Clinton campaign hit job theory was true. And in public statements, Barr said said it outright. And in court filings, uh, Durham uh, in, during trial questioning, uh, it seemed to be designed in advance to create a narrative that they couldn't prove. <laughs> What is happening? You know, and we talk about this all the time. I, I was reading a thread about how we need, to, you know, Democrats and progressives need to start going after Republicans the same way they do, but, but because we can't, with our full heart and full throated conviction, like sound like these people. We can't go no. And by the way, we don't have to create things out of thin air and launch false investigations because they do crazy, insane stuff all the time and we point it out and it doesn't matter right they can yell groomer about they they call like uh, groups like awake illinois call the governor of illinois groomer 
right? Because because of legislation that has been passed for sex education, and then they blow that up and say that they're the governor. So, but can we just talk about the word groomer means? It means basically. Uh, I don't want to talk about it, but still, it, it is uh, creating a bond with a child in, in order to sh- to gain trust and then use them sexually. And so they so they can yell things like that, and that's that's fine to say, and put a target on not just the governor, but people who perform and and are true to themselves. They paint them with these broad strokes of terror, basically, and make people. And and it's the fact that people believe it or buy into it or say, "Well, that's just an opinion." I'm sorry, calling the governor a groomer is not an opinion. It's, that's not an opinion. I'm so yeah. So anyway, we don't need to uh, to lower ourselves and try to uh, accuse Republicans of fake uh, things when they do horrible things, and that doesn't even matter. It doesn't. It doesn't. Right, Dave? Hey, Dave, what's on your mind? Hey, Patty. Uh, I was telling Lady B and I that what Scott B still kind of peeved yet is this. Earlier in the week, they had this story where the, the National Archives was asking that former vice presidents and presidents now checking and double-checking to see if they got any more documentation. Well, I'm sorry. Isn't that what the director or the directors of the National Archives should have been doing all along, knowing who got this stuff? That's you, know, you would think, think right? You if you know how many how many pages were printed out, right? So you know, and you know where they were left last. Like, yes, how is there not sort of this reclaiming of every single document and making sure it is where it belongs? You bring a good, you bring up a good point. I don't know what the process is. And you know, and my thought, perhaps maybe they they should start auditing this National Archives books like a couple times a year, and that and these. These people, these, uh, I'll say directors again, these people are getting, I'm sure, a handsome salary for not knowing what's going on. Yeah. You know? oh, I, and, uh, well, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> again, who knows what the process is? And then who would you have investigate, uh, sort of do an audit? Who Would that be the DOJ? I mean, who would you say would be responsible for that? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> <laughs> right? But, I mean, not get a, somebody a new job, but I mean, if you, they've never tried it even, you know, they've been getting away with it. It's like someone said, I mean, you got different rules. Like, I mean, if you're, you know, higher, higher, because some of these senators and stuff like that that have said they've been in the skiff and that they've tapped themselves down to make sure they don't got no electronic stuff and and double check on their way out. But apparently with these guys, it's a, a different set of rules. And then... And then uh, I asked once before, like, the okay, you have these pages or aides packing your stuff up if you're leaving, and uh, the uh, I'm sure they don't have top secret clearances to be looking at this stuff, you know, and they're grabbing and throwing them in the boxes, and you know, like I say, and then President Biden's case, I mean, he's been since he was a senator and stuff up there, you know, he's been 42 years up on that on that hill, so he knows, you know, he should know the game better yeah. than anybody. And, and but uh, to get along with uh, a double set of standards, you know, for like okay, these higher hires. Uh, what the, I wonder what the reality winner thinks about this. Yeah, right. She took she took two documents, and the stuff she took kind of proved the proof about the Russians being involved with Trump's uh, campaign that time. And she had a they they threw the hammer at her that. Uh, 
five years, and she did a good four out of the five, and then that last one has been probation. And back in 08, there was a guy, this uh, Bergeson, who he was a Pentagon employee, and he was convicted for selling secrets to, to the Chinese because he was seen on an FBI surveillance, stuff in his pockets with money or cash. Right. His sentence was only like about six months less than um, reality winner. But last but not least, and this is what where our higher hires would probably f- fill in, is uh, with uh, old former Army general and then uh, CIA director David Bitray, as I call him, <laughs> when he had taken them six top secret notebooks for his uh, his author for his uh, the book for his mistress, and then he lied to the FBI. And then they they went to the house and they found it tucked up in his attic, six of them. And and he had said the same thing. Oh, I turned them all in. I you know kind of did a trump them. I turned them all in. I turned them all in, and they found them. Right. Well, he was what? What kind of punishment did he receive? Two years of a probation and a hundred thousand dollar fine. And now what? He's some kind of a spokesperson for CNN. Right. Yeah. It's, it's good, good work if you can get it, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, these other two, though, because they're lower on the ladder, you know, they they had to do prison time. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, I know, like they say, that the Trump and the Biden and there's, his, you know, apples and oranges, but, you know, I'll look at it, too, at the, if uh, they were robbing a liquor store. And Trump was the one that went in with the gun, and, and Biden was driving the car, and he didn't say it until later. He would still get the same, you know, as an accessory, but they're not, you know, they're not going to do nothing. Just a slap on the wrist, you know. I, I know. Isn't it sad we don't have any faith in, in justice? And I mean, that's I think that's a big problem too. Is we see these these kinds of crimes that are going, uh, you know, un- unaccounted for in a just way, and uh, it's it's hard to watch. Yeah, well, I, like I said, I feel bad, like with these reality winner and stuff like that, that they paid the price for doing it with a whole lot less, yep. of, uh, you know, than these guys. But um, I don't know. But that's my thought anyway. That I think they better start doing something with this, you know, National Archives. Either get a new board of directors or something. Or I mean, they should get some kind of penalty for what they have not been doing. Right. Yep. A lot of incompetence there. All right. Thanks, Dave. Listen, have a good weekend, Patty. You too. Have a lovely weekend. Take care. Let's uh, take a break here. Come back. Continue our conversation. 773-763-9278 is the number to call and join our conversation or to text us. You can do the same number. 773-763-9278. And uh, we want to thank our sponsors of the text screen. It's sponsored by Camp Kubagani, a child summer of empowerment challenge and fun go to multiculturalcamp.com we also want to thank our sponsors of the driving at home with me patty vasquez show I want to thank Manaqua brewing you can go to the patty vasquez show page right there pinned at the top uh, you can find all the chicagoland locations where you can pick up a progressive brew or a hard choice seltzer of uh, proceeds go to, to support personal pack of illinois and uh, we also want to thank kids above all 
You go to kidsaboveall.org and find out about all the amazing work they do there to help children reach their potential, many of whom who have survived trauma, abandonment, uh, a lot of uh, kids who need support and stability. So you can go to kidsaboveall.org and, again, find out the great work that they do there. And, as always, want to remind you to keep uh, this phone number in your car in case you're ever in a situation where you need to call a car guy. It's 773-248-1200. That's Warren Price's number from European and U.S. Car Service. And you can go to EuropeanUS.com to find out about uh, the kind of service he provides because it really is uh, heads and tails. It's just heads above everybody else. Heads and shoulders about above everyone else. He's my car guy. Let's come back in just a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Out Chicago. We need your voices. We need people out there who are our allies, who are out there to help just get rid of the disinformation and the lies. That's the thing. Make decisions based on passion, based on humanity, based on kindness, because what we're hearing from the other side is just the opposite of those things. It shouldn't be tolerated in this country. Catch Out Chicago every Sunday, 11 to 1 on WCPT 820. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. In just a few minutes, we're going to meet another candidate for, uh, for a Chicago aldermanic race. I do want to uh, acknowledge, I don't Lady B, if you get a chance, if you text me, I'm, I'm sure maybe I'll, I'll get a text in regards to uh, the whether or not the video in uh, Memphis uh, gets released publicly. I know that a lot of folks are talking about this today. And I want to thank our friend George Bliss, who sent me um, some information in regards to the, the five Memphis police officers who were charged with second degree murder, aggravated assault, two charges of aggravated kidnapping and two charges of official misconduct. And uh, the, he also sent me the um uh the the comments from Antonio uh Ramanucci who this was at a press conference uh, earlier today, uh, this is an attorney who said uh, he was defenseless the entire time. He was a human pinata for those police officers. It was an unadulterated, unabashed, unabashed nonstop beating of this young boy for three minutes. And uh, the, as the mother was there, uh, and I, I've heard earlier today that his last words were mom. And uh, he was not far from home. And uh, there's going to be a lot of conversation about this. I, I haven't spoken to any of my friends in law enforcement, so I don't. I don't really want to speculate on what their uh, what the conversation is going to be like from people who uh, want to blindly defend uh, situations like this before any of us have had a chance to uh, really talk about it amongst amongst each other and uh, and those that want to. Uh, there, there just can't be a reason. A reasonable explanation for something like this, uh, and it is heartbreaking that another family uh, is is grieving um, because of a, a police uh, 
engage involved situation where someone was had a traffic stop. Uh, I know that people are going to talk about the fact that he was driving recklessly. Um, they have we have yet to see any evidence of that. Um, because we will see the video, we're going to want to know more about this story. So as that story develops, we will uh, stay up to date on that. Joining me in studio is Juan Pablo Prieto, who is running for the aldermanic seat of the 30th 30th Ward. This is, uh, is it all you'd hoped it would be running for office? <laughs> yeah, all, all that and more. <laughs> I, uh, I, so we met uh, a little over a year ago, campaigning yes. for Alderman uh, Gilbert Villegas, yes. who was uh, running to be uh, in Congress. Can I ask you, just aside from your race, did you have any thoughts when... Uh, <laughs> and I shouldn't ask you that. Maybe I shouldn't ask you this, because I was I was so gobsmacked when um, Congresswoman Delia Ramirez endorsed Brandon Johnson over Chewy Garcia. I was like... So, yeah. so I, I don't. I, I, I won't put you on the spot with this, sure. but it's a reminder, and so this is something I'm sure you've heard before. And take this to heart. Friends are not permanent... Enemies are not permanent, mm-hmm. unless maybe you're me. Enemies are not. <laughs> <laughs> enemies are not permanent. Interests are permanent, and and that's that. Uh, it, it, it changes for me every time I think about that. But had you heard that before? I have. Yes. 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 <laughs> yeah. No. I mean, uh, you know, it's something that I have uh, practiced throughout my career of like making sure that. I'm ready to work with anyone, right? Yeah. I'm ready to work with anyone and, and find solutions, common sense solutions, and and implement them. Um, whether we agree on, you know, we don't have to agree on everything, but right. if we agree on, on this one issue, we can get it forward. Right. Yeah. See, that's the thing is that, and when I say that, uh, there's some things I I I will not let go of, and it's when people uh, use their position to traumatize survivors mm-hmm. of violence, mm-hmm. uh, use their power to direct focus at somebody as a target simply because they were challenging their political. S- status. Right. Uh, so I, I, I draw a line and I think that people wish that I, I would uh, go. I just because once you for, once you let something go without accountability, it gives people permission to do it again. Do it again. Uh, so I don't know. How has the race been for the 30th Ward? Is there are there? I, I'm not seeing many mailers even for the mayoral race yet. Yeah, no, it's it's going well. Yeah, uh, it's it's a four way race, so uh, open seat. Uh, you know, I feel really good, really good about my chances uh, going into this race. Um, I'm, I'm really leaning in on, on my experience. So I, I was born and raised here in Chicago. I'm a proud CPS graduate and parent, um, and I currently serve as the director of diversity programs at CTA. So for the last eight years, I've been connecting small minority women owned businesses mm-hmm. um, and individuals uh, to either contracting or or career opportunities. Opportunities um, on CTA contracts, and I want to use my my expertise in government, small business development, and coalition building to bring transparent and responsive representation to the ward. And what I've been getting, the feedback I've been getting at the doors is that's what people want. People want someone who knows how to work through city government and just get things done. Right? right? Uh, you know, they don't need to be experts in government. They need to live their lives. And uh, me as, as you know, hopefully the, the next alder person of the 30th Ward, I'll be able to cut th- through that bureaucracy and get things done for them. What, uh, what, to tell folks who aren't familiar necessarily with the 30th Ward, what communities are, are in, in incorporated in the 30th Ward? Yeah, so uh, the 30th Ward goes from uh, Central Park on the west 
uh, I'm sorry, on the east, uh, Narragansett on the west, mm-hmm. and Addison runs the full stretch of the ward. So it picks up neighborhoods like Avondale, uh, uh, Old Irving Park, Greater Independence Park, uh, a little bit of Portage Park, Belmont Central, Belmont Cragen. So it's a very large wow. and diverse, yeah, it's a diverse uh, ward, definitely. Um, and, and, you know, I'm committed to making sure that every part of the ward hears from me and, and that they know how to get a hold of me. For folks who aren't familiar, like tell me a few of the, your favorite, uh, and, and I know it's hard to say because you're like, oh, I'm going to leave somebody out. Some of your favorite restaurants in, in oh. the 30th Ward. See? You're like, oh, yeah. no. Just, <laughs> how do you choose? Right? You know? Uh, if I mean, if, you're t- if someone's coming to your neighborhood and you want to show off, where do you take yeah. them in the 30th Ward? It, it depends, really. So if you want to go for like uh, for breakfast, uh, you've got a really nice, uh, so I'm I'm in the Kil- I live in Kilbourne Park mm-hmm. neighborhood. Uh, a really nice, just kind of diner there. Um, uh, City Cafe. Sure. Dependable breakfast, right? Every morning. Uh, you can go to La Manzana too. That, uh, so, Bryn Mawr Breakfast Club opened up uh, a location there just outside the ward, right across the street, but uh, we, we still claim it there. Uh, and then. You know, if you want, there we've got some good sushi restaurants. We've got Ooh. a lot of Mexican restaurants. Uh, we've got some Salvadoran restaurants, um, Colombian restaurants in the ward as well. So we have we have a pretty good variety of restaurants. Outstanding. I, yeah. I, I do. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things where every neighborhood I go to, I, I like to eat local and yeah. and see what uh, what folks have uh, brought to a community. It's uh, it's fascinating to me because it, yeah. it says because especially because I really believe that our our communities need to be more. More walkable, yes. be able to walk to us, uh, you know, and we should be encouraging, as you mentioned, small business owners to uh, to set up shop in our yeah. neighborhoods. Let me take a break here. We're going to do a, a a little weather update. We'll continue our conversation with Juan Pablo Prieta. Prieta? Prieto. 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 Yes. I knew I was going to get it wrong. Juan Pablo Prieto, who is running for the aldermanic seat of the 30th Ward. We'll continue our conversation when we come back. If you have a question for the candidate, 773-763-9278 is a number to call and join our conversation. You can also text if you're not able to call right now. The number again to text the same, 773-763-927. Oh my gosh, I just got distracted by a text. 773-763-WCPT is a number to text. More in a moment on the Heartland Signal. Tired of all those talking heads down the dial who think they're always right? People need to just calm down. It's gotten ridiculous. Welcome to WCPT 820, where facts matter. Quite frankly, I get most of my news from you. This is WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. February 28th is the day to vote for the Chicago elections. However, early voting has started at the super sites. You can also apply to vote by mail. And uh, early voting will continue to uh, spread. It'll There'll be more locations as we get closer to that the, that day. Some folks like to vote the day of. I've definitely got another practice, especially because of the pandemic, of uh, voting early. Uh, so with that in mind, I wanted to see ask uh, our, our guest, candidate for the 30th Ward, Juan, Juan Pablo Prieto, um, so are you, oh, here, I'll get to, we do have a question coming up, but let me Sorry. ask you this. Uh, you know, what are, what, what has surprised you the most 
during this election, once you decided to throw your hat in the ring, is there something? Because I, I know there's probably quite a few things, yeah. <laughs> but can, does something jump to mind that has surprised you in this race? Honestly, how ready people are to help. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Isn't that great? It is. Yes. It's, you know, you meet community members, uh, tell them you're, you're, what you're about, mm-hmm. and they're like, great, I'm all in. Where, where do you need me? Right. And that's, you know, something you, you just expect to have to do all the work as a candidate and, you know, your campaign staff, but when you get the community members, it really feels good. I, you know what, that's a really good point. And uh, one of my, um, I, I, we were friends before my, my race. I consider him to be one of my best friends, uh, Jerry Walski, who is a collaborator on this show. I, I, again, and, and there was a, my, I'll tell you this, I, Jerry will laugh because we, 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 we had sort of a wing of the campaign. It was like Patty's ex-boyfriends, their moms and, <laughs> and their wives. I had ex-boyfriends, moms donate to the campaign. Oh, nice. I had an ex-boyfriend who put my lawn sign up. I had uh, an ex-boyfriend whose wife, uh, well, she, we didn't really date, but he was my prom date. Sure. His wife was on the campaign with her. Rebecca came out and was like, she was in the snow and in the cold. So it is incredible, the people that will show up. And for, for us, it was like, look, even Patty's ex-boyfriends think yeah. that she should be. I mean, like, that's a that's a pretty good big stamp of approval. It was one of my favorite things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we were actually going to send out an email from my ex-boyfriend's mom just to say, you know... Uh, <laughs> if she's though, supporting you. Exactly. <laughs> Just even though it didn't work out with Patty and Jason, I yeah. still think this <laughs> would have worked. Yeah, it was. Uh, it, it is very fun to see that. Fun and gratifying. Yeah. to see people that want to get involved. So Gregory lives in Rogers Park. Uh, so this is not necessarily in your ward, but I think this is. You know, it's always good to hear what yeah. people from the Chicagoland area because you would have an impact on the entire city. So Gregory, what's your question? My question is how. Concerned are you as a candidate about changing the driving culture in the city of Chicago so that motorists will yield to pedestrians who present themselves at a crosswalk? It's state law. We have thousands of them in our gigantic city, and you only run into one, if that, on any given trip. And yet motorists yield to all manner of other things and trucks and buses and cars. But the fragile pedestrian, they don't want to yield to. They want them to wait and try to time the flow of traffic. It's gotten better, the social contract, over the last 20 years I've been back. Uh, I grew up here in the 60s and 70s, ended up finished growing up in California, where I learned how to see and yield to pedestrians. But it's just, you know, it just needs to be clarified and enforced because it's a small thing that can be fixed, low-hanging fruit. Before, and, before Juan Pablo answers, I have a question for you, Gregory. What, what, what worked in California? What do you think was the yeah. difference uh, with the how, uh, was it laws? Was it the culture? You know, what makes the difference between uh, Illinois or Chicago drivers in particular being less aware or concerned about pedestrians than they are in places like California? I think in the western states, because they were traveling at high speeds on the open highway, going long distances, and they had large mammals that would appear at any moment in time, like a bison or a moose or cattle ranchers or horses, and they, they had to respect the large mammal that would appear all of a sudden, including humans. So I think that's where that comes from. But here... There's just the tyranny of the car, and it's, it's you can't expect people to be a pedestrian rights activist like me. I've been a wheelchair taxi cab driver for the last 20 years, and I'm trying to change the culture. And you, it has to come from the top. I mean, you can't expect people to be increasing the chances of getting rear-ended or having someone go around you and hit the pedestrian. I've had to get out and play traffic guard 
a dozen more times to get someone across the street. I like what Evanston has done next door with the red flag system, mm-hmm. which is tra- spreading around the world. And all it is is a low-tech system of having a stick with a po- red flag and a container, and you pick up the stick with the red flag, and it signals that it's red, it needs stop, I'm ready, I'm not waiting for it to clear, I'm not on my cell phone, it's my turn, and it works like magic. If you don't touch the red flag in the eight intersections they have in, there are about ten intersections in Evanston mm-hmm. where they have this. If you don't touch the red flag, the cars, most of them will just keep going. As soon as you touch the red flag, they all stop. And a young attorney told me it took a year and a half to train them in Evanston. So if it took a year and a half to train the upper middle class, highly educated community of Evanston, it would take three years here in my hometown, Chicago. But it can be done. All right. That's well, my question. Yeah. yeah thank, thanks yes. for that question. Thank you for, the, and thank you for the follow-up, my follow-up question. Go ahead, yeah. Juan Pablo. No, that's a great question. I think, you know, for multiple reasons, we need to try and reduce our dependence on cars. Uh, it's an environmental issue. It's a health issue. Uh, it, it's a it's a small business issue. Uh, one of the things that I want to do is is create a a more pedestrian bike transit friendly 30th ward and the neighborhoods within it. Um, that that includes you know bringing more small businesses to fill the vacant storefront so that we can get the goods and services we need without having to travel outside of our neighborhoods. And, and we can walk more, we can bike more, right? Uh, so hopefully we, we can work to reduce our, our dependence on, on cars. Uh, we do need to do some traffic studies and make sure that we're looking at uh, not only the areas where we know there's high pedestrian traffic uh, and there have been some accidents. There's been some, unfortunately, some fatal accidents with, with bikes in the 30th Ward. So we need protected bike lanes. Um, but also making also that tra- those traffic studies need to include areas with low pedestrian traffic because it's a safety issue right no one crosses there because it's so hard to cross there and how do we correct for that is it bump outs is it like gregory said a, a low tech solution like the flags uh right i've seen yeah. other intersections that have uh, a button where you can push it's got um lights you know a, a lights in the middle of the of the road that's signaling to to drivers there's someone crossing to slow down right um, but we definitely need need more pedestrian safety uh, here in the city. Uh, It's a great city to walk around in. Uh, We have a uh, world-class transit system that that will be improving. I know they will improve. uh, And we need to make sure that that it's accessible. Uh, You know, my family is down. We're a one-car family. I, I love riding CTA. I, I take it into work when I, when I was working at CTA. Even now, when I'm campaigning to the campaign office, I jump on the bus. So, the 30th ward will have uh, an example in, in their alder person. Uh, I'll be on on the system, uh, making sure that that I'm using it as well. Yeah, I think the caller makes a great point about uh, you know there's a right in front of the the blue line terminal on Milwaukee Avenue. Obviously, a lot of traffic all day long for folks going back and forth, going to and from the transit station because uh, there's so many buses that terminate there originate there and of course the metro station the blue line uh with a lot of traffic a lot of uh people who work for the airlines mm-hmm. or at the airport uh, also get off there and i when i was campaigning there was i was outside in front of that that terminal every single morning five days a week uh at like six in the morning and like the number of times that i gasped or screamed because there and there's an island there yeah. and there's a very distinct uh crosswalk and like mm-hmm. it, it, it was, it was gut wrenching. I'm so glad that no, I cannot believe we, there were days with a lot of snow. Uh, there were icy days, and people will come very close. You hear the you know screeching and the horns because uh, people in this city 
do not consider those marked crosswalks when someone is about to cross as yeah. something that they're supposed to pay. To. And look, I'm again, I always want to say, I want to reiterate that I'm not perfect. Uh, I'm not used to it. I, I wish that there was something we could do, as uh, Gregory mentioned, something that does uh, make it more uh, normal, normalize mm-hmm. being aware of it. Yeah. Like we are not normal. I definitely think it's that. an educational campaign, right? Yeah. Like the city needs to put together an, uh, a campaign of just be more aware, right? I mean, we're more and more distracted when we're driving, unfortunately, right? We have more devices Mm -hmm. in our cars and more screens in the cars that are distracting us, but we've just, we've got to look up. We've got to be in the moment, you know? There's a lot of people walking around the city and we want to make sure that that they're getting where they need to safely. There's a, a texter says, up in Marengo, Illinois, they have signs that say, cars must stop for pedestrians in the crosswalk. It's state law. Granted, it's a smaller town, but it says state law. I, I, I feel like, I mean, you're, you're, too, also, I you're also supposed to, like, we also know that we were supposed to come to a complete spot, stop yeah. at a stop sign. <laughs> and I was watching this video of a mom, that a mom had taken in Lincoln Park in front of her school. And nobody, do you, what What are the characteristics of a full stop, Juan Pablo Prieto? Well, I mean, you've got, you got so I, I have a friend who used to work at, at DOT, at okay. US DOT, and, and she, she's not from Chicago. So we were driving one time, and I, I did a rolling stop, I'll admit. And she's like, you need to stop. The car has to roll back. Yes! Has to roll back. Yes! It's <laughs> a complete I stop. Like, I, I told her, I was like, I don't think I've ever seen a car come to a complete stop <laughs> come in the city me. of Chicago. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. probably about 30%. I'm not yeah. saying I do it every time. <laughs> but but I'm aware of it. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I rolled through the other day, and I was like, oh, it's so bad. I'm a bad example. <laughs> uh, but, yes, it's a complete stop. Your car kind of rolls forward, and when it rolls back, you yeah. come to a complete stop. Because I used to, I thought it was like three seconds, so sometimes like, I'll come to a stop, and I'll be like, one, two, three. But, no, it's a complete yeah. stop, then you know you're done. And yeah. proceed if it's safe. Yeah. 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 But I... I often think, you know, is it uh, also, and this is, would be statewide legislation to uh, enhance perhaps driver's ed, mm-hmm. or do we not rubber stamp people's driver's license renewals and just something, just a questionnaire, just to remind people. I know, let's say perhaps I've gotten a speeding ticket in Mount Prospect and had to take an d- online driver's ed course again, mm-hmm. and it was really, I hated doing it, yeah. but it was really helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, what else, you know what changed from when I was in high school was how you adjust your side view mirrors. Oh, okay. You know, because it used to be when I was in 1987, you were supposed to catch a little bit of the side of your car. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Like, that's not how you do it anymore. Oh, no. I don't know. <laughs> I need a refresher. <laughs> yeah, we all need a refresher because you like you know where your car is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, we're not learning, like, how to drive bigger cars or SUVs or yeah. with bigger cars yeah. and SUVs and distracted driving. All those things, I think, we need a refresher course on that. So you mentioned that you are a CPS graduate. Where did you go to high yes. school? Northside College Prep. Oh, look at you. Yes. What? That's a fancy. I yeah. went to Lane Tech, so I got a chip on my shoulder about all the other magnet schools. Well, that, that brings up another point. So yeah. how, uh, you know, the, the, the schools in your community, um, have you talked to parents who are like, you know, I would like to, I wish that we had a high school. Are you, uh, wait, let me think, Simons? What high school? Simons and Shures. Simons and, and Shures. Okay, yes. wow, that is a pretty big ward. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Chicago Academy also. Okay, so, so yeah. is Chicago Academy me a charter school or uh, 
That's a good question. I, no, I believe it's a CPS high school. Okay. Yeah. And for folks, you know, when we talk about charter schools, the the reality is that there are over 60,000 kids in charter schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I support CTU and everything that CPS does. We also have a lot of ki- kids of color who rely on the programs at charter schools for a variety of reasons, whether it was school closures over the last decade, uh, access opportunities. So Steinmetz insurers uh, are, are schools where the parents are really invested. I know my mm-hmm. friend Dan Avila. Av- uh, who I don't I think he's in 38. Okay. Yes, he's in, in Spasado's ward. But we've talked about that school and and how you know we we should be uplifting schools like Steinmetz so that kids aren't having to get on a bus. Yes. I mean, like, I know that Northside Prep is great. I know that Lane Tech, Walter Payton, but I I've wondered why aren't our neighborhood schools? Uh, you know, why aren't we getting the talent and resources that all kids deserve? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it shouldn't matter what neighborhood you live in, Mm -hmm. you should be able to go to your neighborhood school and get a world-class education. We are the third largest city in the United States. We are a world-class city. We should provide a world-class education to every school. We have to support our principals, our teachers, our staff. My my wife is a school social worker, so I hear the struggle uh, of just providing resources for kids. Outside of just the basic education, right? It's like the the wraparound services that they need to make sure that they could sit in class and learn. We've got to make sure that every school has a nurse, a social worker, and a librarian. These are things that I remember having a nurse and a librarian at my when I was at Solomon School in my elementary school. We had that, right? And and those are great resources, and we need to bring those resources back for kids. So did you grow up uh, over, at, like, in the Saganash area? Or? Uh, I was east of Saganash. So okay. I wasn't, yeah, I was by Peterson and Pulaski. Is it weird that you're like, what? Yeah. Well, Solomon, <laughs> so Solomon had, this is a weird, so this is another issue uh, as, as in regards to education for individuals with disabilities, with kids who have special needs. And the language, I know people go back around and around. On, uh, I, I'm 18 years in. I'm still trying to you figure it out, and things change. But so here's an example. And you, you know that transportation can be dicey. And this goes back away. But my son Declan qualifies for the extended school year, ESY, mm-hmm. which means he because he he benefits from the structure and the grounding of that kind of program. And he's nonverbal. And uh, I was traveling and my husband called me. He goes, first of all, Declan's OK, just so you know. And apparently so Steve got him on a bus. He was supposed to go to Solomon and uh, he got a call. Uh, they they'd gone. Thankfully, Steve had labeled and put his phone number, our phone number, inside his uh, folder. Uh, they had dropped him off at another school. They dropped him off at Bobien, and no one knew who he was. Right. No one knew why he was there. And uh, and it, I, I've struggled with CPS. Are you familiar with Beard Elementary School? I've heard of it. Yes, Beard was uh, one time a, a premier school for children on the spectrum, and it only goes to third grade. I fought mm-hmm. very hard to try to expand that program to at least sixth grade because mm-hmm. uh, parents are still finding their way through. And and uh, they just do you know what tuitioning out means? They no. tuition out kids like Declan because they don't have the resources, the resources. or programs that are are you know will support him, and uh, it makes no sense to me no. like the investment of time and resources. So I just these are just things like from parents that might yeah. not have the opportunity to talk to you about the special ed, uh, education in CPS. Yeah, and that's definitely you know something that we need to hold CPS leadership accountable for. Uh, they need to do a better job of providing uh, for for children for all children, but for children with disabilities, uh, we definitely need to make sure we have the right resources, the transportation. Dropping a child off at the wrong school, like that's unacceptable. That is crazy. It's unacceptable. Like we need to make sure that every you know every kid is getting the resources they need to get into the classroom so that they can learn 
and and, uh, and have a, a good time. I mean, I had fun in school. I yes. made great friendships in school. Right. And we want to make sure that every kid's in that environment where they just feel comfortable at school. Right. I yeah. agree. I mean, because it, uh, it was a little tougher in the, in the 70s and 80s for kids. And look, it's not easy for kids who are, are different and unique, uh, and, uh, in particular if you have a, a disability. I mean, we didn't know anything about autism right. in the 70s and 80s. And, and you look back and you think, oh, I'm a, that poor kid who was the target of so much harassment and bullying. And, and you try to think, like, you know, did I ever stand up for them? Did I know? Did I, could I have done better? Yeah. And, uh, and now being Declan's mom, I'm so grateful for the people who provide uh, – his education, his care at school, and uh, and for people who fight for for kids like Declan and, and individuals like Declan. Definitely. Let's take a quick break here. We're, we're hanging out with Juan Pablo Prieto. He's running for the 30th Ward Aldermanic seat. I should probably find out how much time he has because he might have an event. And I'm like, hey, let's sit back and just hang out on the air. All right, more in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Feel free to give us a call or text if you have any questions for our guest. 773-763-9278 is the number to call and join our conversation. You're listening to... Sorry, I hit a button there. I don't know what just happened. I think I, uh, hold on, let me, I think I have to hit that again. Hold on. Chicago's Progressive yeah. Talk, WCPT 820, <laughs> where facts too. matter. No? Oh. Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. Juan Pablo Prieto, candidate for the 30th Ward, watching the magic happen. <laughs> WCPT. <laughs> Uh, so we were just talking a little bit off the air about uh, endorsement sessions. So I don't think folks understand what an endorsement session is. Uh, I didn't know anything about, like, you see these endorsements endorsed by and things like that. And for folks who get these mailers and they'll see someone's, let's, again, I've used my ex- my campaign yeah. as an example just because that's what I have from experience. It's, it is uh, jarring yeah. to see people like the, for, for my, the incumbent, uh, and again, we you know, machine politicians and incumbents carry. They, they get a tremendous amount of support monetarily and manpower and endorsements. And to see uh, Mayor Lightfoot, uh, and, you know, I don't I don't I haven't said it, I, we haven't had words yet, but but I'm is it, OK. Yeah. And, and but uh, Senator Dick Durbin, uh, Congressman Mike Quigley, Mike Quigley, Congressman Mike Quigley and I sat down and I told him why it was traumatic and hurtful that he was a part of that. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, I will think about this more deliberately the next time because he never they don't do endorsement sessions. Right. And he, yeah. you know, what he told my mom because hmm. my mom chased him. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why did you endorse Lindsay? <laughs> and, and he goes, because because somebody asked me to. Like, yeah. that's literally how they respond to those kinds yeah. of things. And it's it's hard. So that's the endorsements that you'll see. Uh, a lot of them literally will tell you that they rubber stamp it because they're an incumbent. Uh, that's what Treasurer Frerick said. He didn't even know someone in his office just rubber stamped it because I had some words for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everyone's like, oh, God, she's coming for us. Yeah, I am. Yeah. Um, but so then there are endorsement sessions. When you sit down with organizations, whether it's CTU or uh, IFT, uh, the Illinois Federation of Teachers, or unions like the Carpenters Unions, the engineering unions, the the, the pipe fitters and spring and there's and then there's the big umbrella ones. Mm-hmm. So tell folks a little bit about your experience with going in for an endorsement session. Yeah, you know, it was completely new to me. It's my first time running. Uh, so it was um, interesting. I mean, you, you know, you, you fill out this questionnaire and uh, you, you try your best to, to lean in onto what their interests are and make sure that your interests are, are aligned with theirs. Right. Uh, but, uh, you know, 
you try and I, I hope every candidate does, and you know I definitely did. Is just stay true to yourself. Yes. If if your interests don't a hundred percent align with that organization, make sure you explain why. Right. Make sure you explain why you differ, or, or where you could help, or where you could be a friend. Um, you know, we were lucky, and we were uh, happy to get endorsed by Northside Democracy for America, um, and then IBEW Local Nine. Congratulations. Uh, endorsed us. Yes. So we're, we're we're happy with those endorsements. We're pursuing others, uh, but it is a. Uh, a tedious process. I've I've worked campaigns as a volunteer uh, since I was 18. I've never been involved in the endorsement process, and it's a tedious process. We, we spend quite a bit of time filling out uh, these questionnaires, and we're happy to give the answers. But you know, it's like you get three different organizations that kind of represent the same interests with their own questions and a little slight different variation. Right. So you can't really answer it the same way. So it does take quite, quite some time. And then, then there's the, the interview, you either do a zoom interview or in person. Um, so good thing now with, with zoom is we can just jump on a, a quick one. Right. Um, but yes, you know, I, I don't mind going in person, making sure that, that, you know, they get to know the real me. <laughs> it's uh, do you have a team? Uh, like, is there, are there moments where people are like sort of you know going over every single word choice or the tone and you yeah. know you got to have to you have to manage personalities on your own team too yeah. don't you yeah and i've i've got a pretty sl- uh, slim team uh, lean lean team i've got a campaign manager fundraising consultant um and, and we do we we kind of go back and forth here and there about do i use this word do i use that word am i you know am i being intentional about <clears throat> how i'm describing myself you know, my, my fundraising consultant, he's got a little bit more experience in this and he's always like, you got to brag more, you got to brag more. Uh, so it's hard, it, isn't it to brag? We're is. not good braggers. No, no, we're not. <laughs> you know, I'm just like it, my, my record speaks for itself. And they're like, no, you got to connect the dots for people and make sure they understand this is what you've done, and this is how you're going to be able to help them. If I ever run again, one of the things I, I've told my friend Todd Belcourt, who helped on my campaign, and he, you know, he was in the studio one day t- talking about the work that I've done. I'm like, I don't know how to tell people I did that. Yeah. And uh, so my plan is to interview him, and then and record that, and have it all transcribed so that I have it, and I can just go, okay, yes. this is what he said I did. Yeah. This is what somebody, <laughs> you know, is is thanking me for. Is just a much easier place for me it to is. come from, right? Yeah, and it's always great to have a, an external validator, right? Yes. I would love to just say, you know, go talk to all the folks that I've, I've worked with over my career and they'll yes. tell you, you know, I, I don't want to tell you, they'll tell you. <laughs> I, I want to get a little recommendation from my friends Yeah, I want to do it. Uh, we are talking to Juan Pablo Prieto. He's running for the 38th Ward Aldermanic seat. I believe there are four candidates for 30th, this. Yes. The 30th. Okay. Yes. So I talked four. to somebody who there were like 10 candidates. Like, oh, I know. Uh, yeah. I was like, wow. And that was against an incumbent in this neighborhood. In uh, We're in the 45th. So yeah. there are six candidates with an incumbent. And and I'm sure driving here, you saw all the lawn signs. They're not even lawn signs. No, like, they're, they're mutant signs. They're huge. Yeah. <laughs> oh, before yeah. we go to the break, I do want to say, so uh, I, I won't, maybe I shouldn't say which candidate, although I mentioned it yesterday. Um, you know, Willie Wilson has a team that just, like, just firebombs all the corners and public spaces with lawn yeah. signs. And I was driving, and I, and I told people yesterday, if you see a lawn sign on a public space, a parkway, mm-hmm. uh, on the sidewalk, and, you know, some, uh, or, you know, or just abandoned buildings mm-hmm. and fences. 
you can throw those away mm-hmm. because they are not on someone's lawn. Do not steal something from someone's property. Right. Don't be petty. Don't be stealing people's lawn signs. I know that it's tactical and it's a you know, but but you can't. But so anyway, someone came up and down Northwest Highway and got rid of all, all of them. them. All of them are gone. So yeah. plus, I did it too early. You, the fire. That, yeah. That's the, the night before where you well, go crazy. Well, we're trying to be intentional about how yes. much printing we do. Right. Yes. It's not envir- You know, it's it's bad for the environment. Those things are are covered in plastic. They're just going to end up in a landfill. Phil. So we're trying to be intentional too with our mailers, with our walk pieces of like let's let's print as little as possible. Get me in front of the in front of the uh, in front of the voters as much as possible, so they can talk to me directly, not through through a piece of paper. I should have given you. Uh, I got a couple two, two three hundred that can be printed over because <laughs> we did. We went back and we retrieved as many yeah, as we could. That's good. Uh, so that uh, in the event that uh, you know, just, yeah. and you know what someone did during the pandemic? Uh, she called me. She said, "Hey, do you have some of those lawn signs?" And she cut them and paint them for birthday signs. Oh. Oh, for, nice. Which was great, too. Oh, nice. Repurpose. Yeah. There you hey, go. I loved that. Yeah. We're going to continue our conversation with Juan Pablo Prieto, for the candidate for the 30th Ward All-Romantic seat. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're the only voice of reason on the radio. You give me hope. Having listened to you every day. Thank you for your clear insight. Always felt a little bit smarter. I listen to you every single day. I keep coming back to this station, and thank you for what you do. On WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk. Because facts matter. You are listening to WCPT 820. You, you can come up here now. <laughs> if you wish, or you can sit at the same height. <laughs> I don't know why I just. I'm pressing the wrong button again. for a long time. That's Chuck, and, Chuck Schumer and uh, Nancy Pelosi. Uh, I don't know. I just hit that button. <laughs> I have a, uh, I guess I should tell people, I have a wrist brace on because my thumb is injured. And uh, so, I, that, and that's the thumb that I, use for the, that I use for the mouse. So apparently I need to be a little more flexible. I got to do some <laughs> physical therapy to get my thumb back in order. Uh, we have in studio with us Juan, Juan Pablo Prieto, who's running for the 30th Ward Automatic seat. And uh, we've been talking a little bit about fundraising, which I, I would say is one of the hardest things to do. Yeah. Uh, but once you get into the groove of it, wouldn't you say that it, you just know it's part of your how much time do you yeah. spend on call time every day? Well, now that I'm uh, – so I was in the beginning of the campaign still working at CTA, so I couldn't do any campaigning oh, during work time. So right. it was either you know early, really early in the morning or – after after I signed out weekends, uh, but now I'm, I'm on at least for two hours a day. Yeah, yeah, you have to be. It's yeah. it's really hard. And when I tell people this is such a, a crucial part of it, is that your message means nothing if people don't don't get it. If, yeah. it's, if you're not getting calls or texts or mail or a team that can get out there and uh, and fill out the help you with those the questionnaires. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's it, it is also um, you know it's discipline. If mm-hmm. you're disciplined and can get that done, it also demonstrates. That that you know you have the ability to talk to people, make the hard ask because yeah. being an older person, you got to do a lot of hard asks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely am a bigger advocate for publicly funded elections. Sure. Now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean everybody is, and, yeah. and that's nice. <laughs> Nobody, no incumbent. No, I'm sorry. That's no. that's a wonderful idea. Yeah, but no incumbent because they ha- once you're an incumbent, oh, the money just rolls in. They yeah. tell you that. Yeah, that's uh, all right. Now, do you think are you raising money with the you know in mind that there's quite possible uh, the possibility of a runoff. A runoff. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pushing my team and myself to say we can we can close it on February 28th. But obviously, you gotta you gotta know that there there may be a second stage here and and be ready with the uh, the stamina to get through yes. it. Yes, yeah. yeah, that's that's a that's a good point. Is the stamina? So the 30th ward it has uh, several communities, parts of different communities: Old mm-hmm. Irving, Avondale, Belmont, Craig. Uh, you said Independence Park. Mm-hmm. That's new to the ward, isn't it? Yes, Independence yeah. Park. Uh, a lot of Old Irving Park, new to the ward. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. and uh, and that's why sure. Has must be in your Correct. in your ward as well. Yes. So the high schools, uh, Schurz and Steinmetz, are both in in your ward. And uh, uh, what were your thought? Oh, well, I probably shouldn't ask you about what the the mayor's email to CPS teachers. That was so bizarre. Yeah. But you know, these are two high schools. And and look, uh, having gone to Lane, my experience, biggest experience with them was uh, with sports, right? Mm-hmm. Playing softball right there. Uh, and they Schurz has done such a great job of uh, building itself up the athletic yes. field and things like that too. What have you heard from people about Shures High School in the community? It needs more community support. It needs more support from uh, from the alder person who's going to represent there to make sure that we're bringing more community events, that we're bringing, building more community around Shures. We have a great, uh, you know, I live in the neighborhood right next to Shures, uh, and it is an, an untapped resource, I think, that we need to tap into more. Uh, we need to host more events there. We need to make sure the community is supporting the school, attending their sport event, sporting events, attending their their, you know, plays, attending uh, their, their, their movies in the, in the park that they host. We need to make sure we're just supporting them and being there for them so that the students know there's a community around you yeah. that's supporting you for your growth. Uh, and, and we're here for you, right? There's so much more outside of education that students need. And that's what the community is there to provide. And then the other issue, of course, is uh, a lot of folks are talking about public safety, yeah. uh, the role of uh, whether it's law enforcement or support services when it comes to uh, mental health or addiction issues uh, and, and, you know, the root causes. What are some mm-hmm. of the things that you have told people is your your approach towards yeah. public safety? Yeah, public safety is definitely the number one issue we're hearing at the doors. <clears throat> um, and. We need to take a community approach to public safety, right? We need to make sure that we do have the appropriate level of police presence in our neighborhoods, that police officers are are getting out of their vehicles, talking to the community, building that trust, rebuilding that trust. Uh, But we need to hold CPD leadership accountable, make sure they're using their budget efficiently, effectively. Uh, That means hiring more civilian positions to answer those incidents that are non-criminal, right? Uh, residents experiencing homelessness, substance use, mm-hmm. uh, uh, mental health crises. We need experts in mental health and social services to be there for those so that police officers can be responding to criminal incidents. Uh, and then we need to address the root causes of crime. We need to reopen our mental health clinics. We need to expand mental health services in the city. Uh, food assistance, youth development programming, good paying jobs. These all we know are going to chip away at that at that crime. And, you know, when we talk about uh, the, a lot of those those root causes and, uh, and and supporting people, the other thing uh, in your experience with CT, I know that you uh, work with uh, some of the contracts for diversity yep. uh, for, for businesses and things like that. But people are also wondering. And one of my questions, I know a lot of folks have asked, you know, is it is there. Isn't there a way for us to coordinate with CTA and have social services, uh, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's on the platforms and the people who are trained to address the folks that are riding the train for warmth, for shelter yeah. and things like that? Yeah, we definitely need to, to do better 
in terms of a city of making sure that we're coordinating across the services that we already have, the nonprofits that already exist that are that provide those social services to make sure that we're getting those resources to individuals. I mean, someone in, in again, a city as world class as Chicago, we should not have folks that feel their only option is to sleep on the train. We need to have more shelters. We need to have better services. We need to figure out, you know, what can what assistance can we get this individual to get them up on their feet and get them, you know, back at work, uh, uh, back in their own house, whatever it is that they need. We need to be able to provide those services. And we can. I think, you know, uh, sometimes the failures of government is because we don't want to. We don't want to co- co- collaborate amongst each other. There's who gets to claim the victory, right? Uh, yeah. Honestly, when it when it goes when it goes wrong, there's everyone takes the blame, and when it goes well, there's enough credit to go around, right? Everyone gets to celebrate when it goes well, and we need to focus on that and making sure we're bringing these different layers of government together, working with the county, working with the state to bring other resources in to, to help, uh, you know, individuals experiencing homelessness. What are some of the other uh, things that you're hearing on the doors when, you you know, folks want to know about property taxes, of yes, course? Yes, property, and yeah. What are, what, what are some of your thoughts on, on how we can alleviate that for folks? Yeah, property, t- I mean, the first thing I think we need to get rid of the automatic escalator on property taxes. As an alder person, the 30th Ward will elect me to represent them in city council. And when we need to raise property taxes... I need to I need to be accountable for that vote and explain to the residents why we're going to raise property taxes. It shouldn't be an automatic escalator. Alder, you know, alder persons should have to take a vote to to raise that. Uh, we need to work and make sure that uh, downtown buildings are being assessed properly so that uh, uh, they're paying their fair share of property taxes. We need to increase the base uh, of the property tax. That means bringing in more businesses to fill these vacant storefronts. Right now, you know, property owners get a, a huge, uh, almost unofficial incentive to keep uh, a property vacant because they get such a big tax break on it. We need to get rid of that. We, we need to incentivize filling that storefront, and then we need to cut the bureaucracy to make sure that the business that is going to occupy that storefront gets open quicker, get customers in the door as quickly as possible so they can start creating revenue and creating that generational wealth. That's one of the things that I've heard uh, a lot of folks talk about when we discuss those empty storefronts. Uh, one is, the, you know, they're not even keeping some of these properties up. You know, there's yeah. a, a vacant lot. There's a lot of vacant lots that sit empty that uh, accumulate a lot of debris, and then you get rodents, and it, yep. pre- it pre- you know presents a, a health hazard, and and also blight. You know, uh, I when I was able to before my son uh, was uh, so Declan. Uh, has had a rough year. Before that, I was I was plaking. Plaking is uh, picking up garbage while you're hiking. Oh, okay. And uh, and one of the places I focused on was uh, right between um, fifty one fifty, which is uh, the mixed income housing okay. building that broke my neighborhood. Uh, that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, really caused a lot of divisiveness. But I thought, you know, let's get these folks who are coming to our neighborhood. Let's welcome them and mm-hmm. and have a clean path for them. Uh, and it just it, and I went and I walked that there the other day. We've been trying to keep it up. Up and it's just filthy. I mean, yeah. it's just, it, and then you have this empty lot by, uh, again, in front of the Blue Line Terminal. Mm-hmm. There does seem to be too much of a incentive. Yeah. For, it's cheaper, it seems, for them to keep it empty or not develop them. Right, not develop or hold out, right? And know yeah. that development's coming, hold out, and then and then we'll be able to sell for a much bigger price, right? right? And that's, that's oh, wrong. We yeah. can't do that. We yeah. can't do that. I mean, 
you know, the inner workings of a campaign, looking for a campaign office. We called a few locations that said we won't do a short-term lease. Yes. Right. You know, I'm like, I, I ran in the same thing. I just needed an office for three months. Right. And you're like, so you're happy. And, and all those places, none of them got rent, no, been rented since. they're still since. empty. They're still empty. They're still empty. Yeah. Yeah. We, we were able to get a great location in the heart of the 30th Ward in Belmont, Cragen, Belmont, just, just west of Central. Please come come visit us. We'd love to have a cup of coffee, discuss any issues with, with you. Um, but, yeah, we were able to get a great place. But, yeah, those places are still empty. It's insane. Let's take a yeah. break here. We've got a call from a listener who has a question for you. And uh, thank you for the heads up, Dave, that the uh, the video uh, has is being aired on uh, MSNBC. I, I don't plan to, to watch it, but I want to know. Uh, I, I, I've, I've made the mistake of watching videos uh, where someone... Uh, his life is taken, mm-hmm. and uh, it's been, and that's in Chicago too. I mean, I, you know, I, I, you think part of your brain goes, "Well, I should see this to know what we're what we're up against or what mm-hmm. is happening to people." And then part of you, like y- what humans are capable of, is heartbreaking. It is, and uh, and it's it's and someone's life shouldn't be something we view uh, carelessly or uh, uh, without thought. So let's take a break here. Seven seven three seven six three nine two seven eight. I've got at least one caller that has a question for you. Great. Juan Pablo Prieto running for the 30th Ward Aldermanic seat. What's the website so folks can visit? Yeah, JuanPabloPrieto.com. Prieto, P-R-I-E-T-O. That's correct. More in a moment on WCPT. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. And we are joined by Juan Pablo Prieto. He's running for 30th Ward Aldermanic seat. And uh, we've got some phone calls. First is Judy, who has a question for the candidate. Hey, Judy, what's on your mind? Hi, Patty, and hi, Juan Pablo. Hi, Judy. I was just wondering if aldermen have anything to do with getting uh, your pipes replaced. Oh, great question. I really worry about people drinking lead. Yes. It it no longer concerns me. I'm outside of the Chicago drinking now. But for a long time, I still was. Um, And I, I think a lot of these other problems may be affected. I mean, maybe mental health because, mm-hmm. you know, lead's not good for your brain and certainly physical health. I mean, there's just, so it just bounces all the way down the line. I think if, if you can't drink something right, I, that, that's a bad start. Yeah. Yeah, no, we definitely have oversight uh, in terms of the budget, right? And, and the capital plan that um, that's put forth by, by the mayor's office. And we need to hold hold them accountable to make sure that that they are putting they're they're being aggressive with this plan to re- replace uh lead pipes uh with all the infrastructure money that's coming from the state capital program and and the uh bipartisan infrastructure bill or law uh we need to make sure that we're leveraging those dollars and being aggressive with how we replace these lead pipes uh and making sure that if we need to increase the workforce right temporarily to do it, it's going to have a long-term benefit. It'll be a short-term co- increase in cost, but we're going to make sure that we have uh, that we, they put forward an aggressive plan to make sure that they replace those pipes. If I recall correctly, Judy, uh, this was something that Lori Lightfoot had promised. She'd actually campaigned on uh, on replacing lead pipes, and I think I the so. yeah, yeah. And, and the the percentage of lead pipes that have been replaced are, are minuscule. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely think the pandemic obviously put a lot of plans on on pause. 
but we need to get we need to get back to it. We, we've got this infrastructure money. It's a once in a generation investment that that the federal government's making. We need to leverage those dollars. Thank you so much for the call, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Have a great weekend. You too. Thank you. Thank you. And let's uh, get to Roger. Roger wants to talk about Roger wants to talk about the empty lots. What's on your mind, Roger? Yes. Uh, first of all, I'm enjoying the show very much, and uh, and what I have an issue with the aldermen in city of Chicago, and especially in terms of uh, planning and zoning, they are there's only like one or two persons that are in charge of planning and zoning. You have empty lots. You have entrepreneurs that are out there that would like to invest mm-hmm. in the South Shore area, West Side area. You've seen what's happening in the Pullman District. They're having a hotel go up after 50 to 60 years getting subsidy. That's good. But the problem becomes is the planning and development that are in the city of Chicago are so slow getting the permit, getting our, you know, in terms of uh, any kind of a construction we want to do. We can do also affordable housing, small business people. But the opportunities are so stretched out because it takes six to almost a year to get a permit. Mm-hmm. You understand what I mean? Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, I, I, I've been in... in what are in, you going to do about that? How, how, would you, how would you encourage that here, planning and development should yeah. be given more, more personnel? So, you know, you have empty lots in 31st. You have all these empty lots. You know what University of Chicago did? They bought all the lights. Yeah. They bought all the lots in the in the I mean in the south side because they thought they're gonna get the Olympic. Now what they're doing, they're sitting on the lots. Nothing. We we definitely need to make sure that, that Yeah, we definitely need to make sure that we're investing in streamlining the processes for for the city government right and making sure that the department of buildings the the, the permitting department that that we're making sure that they have technology you know technology solutions to make sure that those things are streamlined that applicants you know the business owners can see their uh, permit application online see what stage it in uh, stage it's in are they requesting more documents they can upload the documents we've right. there, there are technology solutions that we could implement that they could streamline a lot of those processes that's a great idea so that folks can get have a real-time view of where they are in the app i mean like yeah. if i if i can know where, how my domino's pizza where right. it is in the process <laughs> we, you can you can see it yeah right right yes. roger <laughs> Yes, you can have all, you know, you can have what they call the Al's Pizza, whatever, you know. So <laughs> we, the, the entrepreneurship is here. It's the city of it Chicago is. department and zoning. You know, we have a lot of immigrants that have now their first generation. You know what I mean? That their parents came in 1970. Now these young kids, they want to invest. They want to do things in the city. But the, then they have to wait for six months, eight months, nine months just to get the permit. Yeah. Planning yeah. and department has to be invested. More has to be invested in that. So yeah, I think it's it, 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 I think it's a good a good a good point you're making. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I mean, we have to. You know, I I have a couple of friends who opened a cafe in West Humboldt Park, um, and and they were delayed in opening because they just couldn't get the permit to get customers in the door. They're taking on debt, right, to to keep the place afloat, even though there's no customers coming in. They had a lot of rehabbing to do. We've we've just got to get that process 
much smoother, much smoother for business owners. And yeah, we have a ton of entrepreneurs here in Chicago. By the way, uh, you're uh, in your in your ward now. You see who's calling? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame that you can see the text screen. Thank you, Roger. Thank you so much for calling and bringing this up. Have a Thanks, great weekend. Roger. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so so weird. Before I take your friend's call, yeah. <laughs> uh, you have a new uh, new cafe that opened in your ward in the thirtieth ward. Uh, stay and play. Yes, it is. I can't believe I haven't talked more about this. It's amazing. I have not been there yet. Oh, Juan Pablo, I know you're busy. You're campaigning and stuff. But it is, oh, come on. I mean, the food is great. The cocktails are great. And you can play board games. They have a wide range, everything from the classics to, like, role-playing games. And just, oh. I was there the morning that Ana Belaval went. and uh, And so it was really cool. So I was very excited about that. Uh, Hello. You're on the air, Christian. Hey, Patty. Hey. hey, hey, Pablo. Hey, Christian. How hey, are Patty. you? We actually, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Pablo? Good. Hold on, Pablo. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, I just, I, we, uh, I, I went to high school with, uh, we, well, I, we called him Pablo back in the day, but yeah. Juan Pablo, Pablo it is. And, uh, I don't know if he, in his campaign, he talks about his diving days. He used to be the swim team diver what? a long time ago. Yeah. How was he, was he good? Yes, yes. Uh, that was a, I'm sorry. That was North that was a dramatic pause. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I would say my water polo skills were were the uh, better better part. Uh, Christian, were you also on the swim he was team? Also a good water polo player. Were you, were you on the? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. No, you no, were. On... Patty, we met. We actually met about a month ago at the 40th Ward Democratic Party. My name's Christian Bloom. Oh I yeah! I want to give a big plug, but I'm running in the 40th. We gotta, I, I gotta, gotta have you on. I, Pablo and I, I, yeah. I completely endorse or I, I support Pablo, and and I I hope everybody that's listening that lives in the 30th votes for him. He's a great guy. Um, Thank you, Christian. He's great for the city. Christian, how is your race coming? It's it's going. It's chugging along, but it's uh, one day at a time, and uh, yeah, we're just working towards. Uh, with 33 days left. So yeah, what are you? Are you in the car? Are you heading someplace right now? What are you up to tonight for your campaign? Uh, nothing tonight for the campaign. Just came back from a school event with the kids. So, oh, cool! Uh, nice. Taking the rest of the night off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. got to get some rest. Yes, and every now and then, self care is important. What's uh, What's the website for your campaign so folks can check out your your campaign for the 40th Ward Aldermanic seat? Sure, it's bloom 40thcom B B L U M E. Four zero th dot com. Excellent. Um, I don't want to take up uh, Juan Pablo. Okay. Time. Again, great guy. <laughs> Vote for him if you can. Vote for him if you live in the thirtieth. Look him up. He's a great guy. All Thank right. you, Christian. Thanks, Christian, let's have you on uh, yeah, next week on. if you have time uh, next week. Sound good? For sure. Excellent. For sure. All Thank right. You. That's Christian Bloom running for the 40th Ward. Yeah, that's a lot of people running for offices this year. Yes. Uh, it, which is remarkable. It's encouraging. Well, there's a lot of folks who are either retiring uh, or perhaps do not reflect their neighborhood the way their constituents would like them to. Yes. There's a, there aren't that many uh, unopposed races no. in, in compared to, to other years. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's encouraging to see a lot of people running and, and, you know, a lot of people in the same, same boat as I am. So <laughs> what is something that I haven't touched on that you want to make sure people know about your campaign? Yeah. You know, it's, it's gonna, it's really a community driven campaign. Um, I want to make sure that the community is with me every step of the way. Um, Please, please check out the website, JuanPabloPrieto.com. We're pretty active on, on Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and, you know, 
they're just basic things that we want to in- introduce uh, right away. Uh, participatory budgeting, a zoning committee, a small business committee, a youth committee, just to make sure that we're getting active with, with every part of the ward. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and again, bringing that transparent and responsive representation. Well, I know that it's a lot of work. Uh, I want to thank you for running and congratulate you. Thank you. For uh, for taking the the chance and for believing in uh, in your community enough to want to be a public servant. Uh, and no matter what happens, I know that no one wants to hear that. You're like, you, yeah. your mindset has to be, we are winning this. And that's the energy you have to bring, whether it's uh, door knocking or calling for dollars uh, or, you know, speaking to constituents. Uh, so, again, what's the website for folks to join? JuanPabloPrieto.com. JuanPabloPrieto.com. That's P-R-I-E-T-O. And uh, I want to wish you the very best. And uh, let's check in again by Great. phone so that you don't have to take time out of your busy schedule. Definitely. Uh, I kept you here for an hour. I, I kind of feel guilty <laughs> about that uh, because you, it really is, you have to stay focused. So yeah. I, again, uh, wish you the very best and thank look forward you. to connecting with you again soon. Of course. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Thank and uh, thank you, Christian, for calling in. That was really yes, sweet. And you. I look forward to having you on as well. Have a, a great evening, a great weekend as yes, well. Yes, you too. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. Our number is 773-763-9278. I think that some of you are watching the video that MSNBC is sharing and uh, or, or not. If you have thoughts on uh, the story out of Memphis as they, they prepare to, uh, there was already protesting and, uh, oh, I have to start whisking a cookie. All right, I gotta go, everybody. Uh, I'll be right back after this on WCPT 820. You've been working hard all day and didn't have time to catch up on the news during work. And that phone just wouldn't stop. We've got you covered. Joan Esposito, live, local, and progressive. We will fight as many places and as many times as it takes to get this power back. Joan Esposito, afternoons from 2 to 5 p.m., WCPT 820. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. Listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. All right, I, uh, I'm doing doing two things at once. I uh, had to start. I launched a whiskey and a cookie. Whew. Oh, let me turn them off. Uh, one second. There we go. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, I also want to, before we uh, continue our conversation about anything that uh, I know folks are messaging me, that they are playing the uh, body cam footage. Uh, here we go. There's a live, uh, there's a, uh, there's live footage of the protests in Memphis, and I haven't gotten too far into this story. Uh, I know that this was a uh, uh, a um, pullover. The uh, police officers pulled over uh, someone who they, they say now was driving recklessly. And one of the things that I think gets lost in these conversations is regardless of what you think in terms of law enforcement, what their role is, we have to agree that there seems to be this culture of, um, I get that it's us against, I feel like it's us against them in the sense that law enforcement seems to think that everyone is out for them, that uh, it's this idea that uh, when you're a hammer, everything's a nail, that everything seems to 
not everything, but there are so many situations in which uh, an overabundance of violence is used in situations where we watch them. And, and look, we know we are we are we are not trained law enforcement. We don't know what it's like. We don't know all the the cumulative trauma that people in law enforcement go through, whether it's as first responders in uh, in the fire departments or as EMTs or men and women who put on a uniform and uh, and strap on a, a gun holster and uh, and go into situations that most of us would run away from. I I understand that there does definitely need to be more uh, mental health support for first responders, for law enforcement. Uh, Unfortunately, if if that's what the case is, is that, you know, so many people who are uh, who take on the job as a police officer are trained uh, that their most important goal is to make sure they go home at night, then anything that comes in the way of that uh, are civilians, are people who are in a situation for whatever reason, uh, whether it's a traffic stop or uh, stealing something and running away from the cops. I I really have a hard time with some of the things that uh, candidate Willie Wilson has said in regards to, uh, you know, if someone commits a crime, hunt them down like a rabbit. Uh, And and doesn't seem to have any room for uh, conversations in which, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about Adam Toledo in the past and the conversations around that would go back and forth between, well, you know, what was he doing out late at night? What was he doing with a gangbanger? And so if you answer those things that, uh, you know, that was where this child felt that he had uh, a support or community and, and, and turned to uh, people who were involved in gang activities, then is that is that a good enough answer for why he is now dead? Um and again, and the police officer who had to make that split decision, uh, it does have to think of, of what uh, could happen to him. We, we've talked countless times about the law enforcement uh, officers that were in the hallway at Uvalde uh, who would not breach the door, it, it seems, because they were concerned for their own safety. What takes someone over that they beat someone? Uh, you know, we saw this decades ago with the the uh, in, in Los Angeles, um, and and this something takes over when someone feels whether it's are they feeling disrespected? Are they feeling like they're in danger? Are they feeling like what is the culture of law enforcement that we see this? time and time again. And I've had conversations with uh, police officers who told me, you know, you guys always focus on uh, on when it's a black person. And uh, and I was like, okay, so is it okay when it's a white person or a brown person or yellow? I mean, so are you telling me that uh, that focusing on the fact that it does seem to be often uh, black men who a black man who is uh, legally carrying a weapon is shot dead because of a traffic stop and the officer uh, feared for themselves, or a black man who was shot because the officer thought that she was reaching for her taser and she actually reached for her gun. Is it? I mean, so is this happening to 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 people who are not black or brown? And and are we not? The, are you saying that the news doesn't cover that? I guess that's what they're saying. Uh, and here's the thing: that shouldn't happen either. Can we agree on that? Like that? That seems 
horrifying that we are we are being over policed. Uh, I've often wondered about, you know, when it comes to, let's say, expired uh, tags on your license plates, right? Your the sticker on your plate is expired. I've, I've been pulled over a couple times for that and my heart starts racing. And I, you know, I used to joke about this uh, when I was younger, earlier in my career that, um, you know, whenever I, I get pulled over, I start thinking like, is there something I did that I don't know about? Uh, did someone plant something in my career? Just, you know, you start, your adrenaline goes up every single time we have an encounter with law enforcement, uh, it, it can, and, and I'm, I'm a, a, a white presenting woman, um, and, and I say that people probably wonder what that means. Uh, it means that I present as, I, I, while I'm Latina, I look white, uh, I, you know, I, ethnically ambiguous is what people would say, and I get nervous. Now imagine growing up in a community where you're always um, suspected of something. Uh, black people, I'm sorry, get followed more in stores, uh, are are pulled over and have more negative experiences with law enforcement than we do. Uh, I I don't know that many white people that have stories that reflect the my friends of color who tell me about being uh, thrown to the sidewalk because they didn't respond appropriately or the I just. Um, so when stories like this happen, yeah, it, I, I wish that we didn't have to keep having this conversation about what it means to be over-policed, and uh, we're giving over a lot. And I want law enforcement, I want our police officers to be safe as well. And there, seem, there is this distrust that is uh, definitely there. And uh, so there are protesters now in uh, in Memphis, and... Um, Folks are uh, deciding whether or not the video. I don't think it, it says here that the video is not necessarily being. Maybe I'm watching an old stream here, but uh, the one of the stations in Memphis is reporting that the the actually so the the news team is trying to make the decision in Memphis. This uh, channel that I'm watching, um, they're trying to make the decision whether or not to air it. Uh, and so as soon as that decision is made, but it seems as though there are other news outlets that are sharing the video. Is this something that you will seek out to watch? Uh, 773-763-9278. Or what's on your mind today as uh, as we continue this conversation again uh, in regards to uh, the tragedy in Memphis? Uh, I really uh, I, I want... I want better. I want I want to be able to have these conversations without being afraid of uh, questioning the ways in which law enforcement executes their jobs. Uh, I don't know why we're not allowed to do that. I, I, I get it. I get that we will never know uh, what it's like to be in harm's way this in this manner. But that doesn't mean we don't get to have the conversation and hold people accountable. I'm glad that the charges have been filed against all five of the police officers in this case have been fired. And there are charges uh, being uh, uh, filed against them as well. So they've been and they have been and the five officers have been charged with murder. That's that's significant. And I and I really think that uh, a lot of people are. Pleased. I mean, it's not a great way to put it, but they're 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 glad that you know this isn't a situation where um, you know because for decades it seemed as though for as long as I can remember, every time there was a police related shooting, 
uh, every single time they would be cleared, uh, there would be an investigation, and then uh, the prosecutors would have a press conference and say, you know, we are not pursuing uh, manslaughter or murder charges. So this was um, a traffic stop that resulted in the death of 29-year-old Tyree Nichols earlier this month, and uh, they are releasing the video this evening. Uh, They have released it. Uh, A lot of news outlets are making a decision whether or not to air it. And uh, and Memphis police chief, here's what the Memphis police chief, C.J. Davis, said. Uh, she said she was not prepared for what she witnessed in the video. She says, in my 36 years in law enforcement, I don't think I have witnessed the disregard for a human being as displayed in this video. And they are, of course, uh, there are protests uh, right now. Um the stepfather of Tyree Nichols says, uh, we want peace. We, we do not want any type of uproar. We do not want any type of disturbance. And I, and I wonder if uh, the charges were also filed uh, so that it would not, you know, in order to at least uh, attend to the legality and, of course, the uh, – the reaction that people were going to have once this video is is released. Uh, so each police officer has been charged with second degree murder, aggravated assault, two counts of aggravated kidnapping, two counts of official misconduct and official oppression, which is one I don't think I've ever I've ever heard of official oppression. Um, so they have all all five police officers have posted bond. So the police this is how the, the traffic stop apparently went down. The police stopped Nichols near his home in the Hickory Hill neighborhood around 822 on January 7th. There was an altercation between Nichols and several offers, officers and pepper spray was deployed. Uh, Nichols fled on foot before a second confrontation with police. He experienced a serious injuries at that location and was later taken away by police. Uh, they said there was an elapsed period of time before an ambulance. Oh, before an ambulance was called. The actions of the officers who were members of the Memphis Police Department, uh, they were part of a special unit called the Scorpion Unit. Oh, that is, doesn't say in the article, uh, have been sw- swiftly criticized by those who have uh, viewed the video. And, uh, it, the of course, the mayor uh, has also seen the video and says the actions of the officers were awful and no one, including law enforcement, is above the law. So that's uh, some of the update on uh, the video coming out of Memphis. 773-763-9278. Uh, let me know if you have any thoughts. If you are, uh, if you think you would, do you, do you need to see the video or is, is are the charges enough, the conversation around it, the news that comes out, descriptions of it? Uh, 773-763-9278. Uh, and another, uh, uh, to to sort of turn in a different direction for a moment, too. I also want to know, are there events going on in your community that you would like us to know about this weekend? Uh, what's happening over by you? 773-763-9278 is the number you can call or text us to join the conversation. More in a moment on WCPT 820, Heartland Signal. You're listening to WCPT 820, because facts matter. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at ANS Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. On January 6, 2021, followers of Trump and something called QAnon attempted a coup at the United States Capitol. 
these people. I want to live with the QAnon girl. I could be happy the rest of my life with a QAnon girl. Believer of theory, she leans to the right. I've, I've been uh, remiss in reminding folks that the uh, virtual comedy show, that's uh, Steve Goody's song, uh, QAnon Girl, uh, our, our weekly virtual comedy show is now on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Central. So join us on Monday at 9 p.m. Central. And by the way, on Monday, I will be off. I'll be off. I know Joan has the week off and she deservedly so. Uh, I will be off just on Monday because I will be hosting a town hall with Better Streets Chicago. We'll be at 115 West Chicago Avenue. It's a panel on Plow the Sidewalks. Joining us will be uh, our friend Laura Seltzman, who we, we spoke to yesterday, as well as Alderman Gilbert Viegas and other guests to talk about the benefits of Plow the Sidewalks and how we move forward with possibly helping those who rely on mobility, uh, whether they, whether it's walking, rolling, um, and uh, just trying to get by during the wintertime. It works in other cities, and there's no reason it can't work here. We are talking about this video coming out of Memphis, uh, five police officers who have been charged, some of whom have been charged with murder uh, in the case of Tyree Nichols. And uh, I'm wondering, is this something that you need to see, or uh, is, is is it, well, let's talk about it. We have Earl from uh, Hyde Park. Hey, Earl, what's on your mind? Hi, Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. And I was looking at it on uh, the TV picture, and so I saw the first video was uh, was incomplete. So uh, the first video just caught, showed the uh, an officer pulling up to the scene after they had already corralled the dude to pull him out of the car. And from there, you understand what happened. From there. They put him on the ground, and uh, he was trying to find out what was going on, and they didn't give him any reason for pulling him over. And they tasered one another, and, and they also sprayed one another. And in that process, he was able to get up because they didn't restrain his hands or arms and run away. And when he, So when you run away, Patty, that's it. I mean, all, all, all. Unfortunately, everything goes out the window. You got to get the beat down now. When this mean, is they go right, and this is like uh, what Willie Wilson. Uh, some, Dave just texted. Uh, funny you should mention that Willie Wilson said, "Hunt them down like a rabbit." After they put a beat on this young man, they dragged him and propped him up against a car door and kept circling him, standing all around him, looking like wolves or hyenas waiting for their quarry to get up and make a move again, and they could start all over. Uh, it looks like they lost. Their... That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, That's exactly what it looked. Like. It says those cops look like and, they they lost their touch with humanity. Wow. Well, I'm gonna say no. They didn't lose their sense of humanity. I'm gonna say they don't. They don't have a sense of humanity. And what I mean by that is, uh, officers go through a training program to be cadets. Okay, but you get trained again once you hit the field by your officers. They're the ones that teach you how to navigate the street, how to navigate with um, uh, people you pull over, how to deal with people you pull over. Uh, that's where I'm guessing the indoctrination process of uh, this uh, attitude that now I'm the man, I got the authority, I command the authority, and whatever I tell you to do, you have to completely obey. And anything less than that, you are risking getting the beat down. And once I saw the young man get up and run away, I said, 
it's just like just like you said, a pack of wolves. Pack of wolves will chase a, uh, a prey until they come to a rest, mm. and they want to circle that prey. I'm kind of looking kind of confused because their training is to take down running prey, and uh, and so I, so when they come it up with this dude, we don't see that. We don't. Oh no. We lost, we lost him. Ah, call back. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Call back, call back. I don't know how that happened. Did I, did I do that? I don't think so. Does this keyboard control the phones, too? I don't think so. Let me see. No, it wasn't that. We lost you. Give us a call back. Eduardo? I'm here. Hey, Eduardo. What's on your mind? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you lost Sarah because, uh... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more time, but, uh, uh, I live in a, um... Uh, police, fire, city worker neighborhood. I think you do, too. Mm-hmm. And another time, we'll need to talk and compare notes about our neighborhoods, about, you know, how we interact with, with these people. But I saw some of the video, and obviously the people, and this happened with the George Floyd, too. Uh, it's disappointing you see police uh, standing around and not really, like, restraining this person. It's not just regular people who are under stress. Everybody's under stress. In the computer age of Internet, social media, we're all under stress. Uh, the COVID lockdown produced a lot more stress in people. And we, we really need to, like, talk to one another more. Uh, and mm-hmm. I'm not talking about sending text messages in person more. I go to networking. I just went to a networking event uh, Wednesday. And I don't have, like, 100 phone numbers. Maybe I know, like, 10 people. So I go. I make it out of my way to go out and talk to people, and this is what needs to happen. You need to talk to your neighbor. It could be a police officer or a city worker, whatever. Doesn't matter what race they are. Everybody needs to talk to each other. We need to have a open line of communication, and this is how we're able to solve each other's problems. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, de-escalating definitely needs to be. This, the, it, it, everyone can't uh, present as a threat directly. I, don't, I haven't seen this video, but it's uh, it's kind of crazy. And uh, thank, I appreciate your call, Eduardo. We do have to compare notes sometimes. Yeah, have a good week. Absolutely. Thank you, Eduardo. Earl, go ahead. I'm so sorry. I don't know how I lost you there, but I, I'm pretty sure it was my fault. Continue your thought, Earl. Okay. No, no. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, so uh, basically what I was saying was... Uh, the young man was cornered, and they, uh, you know, then they, we don't see them originally catching him. Okay. What we see is on the second video, we see them already having him surrounded, and the, and the police officer are beating and kicking mm. and uh, talking to them, but we can't hear what he's there saying on the second video but by that time they had beat him so horribly that he was like a, a sack of potatoes when he threw him in the back seat of a patrol car and the main point of reason why i wanted to discuss with you and your audience is that the training that we get the officers get on the street is where we really need to concentrate uh that mental attitude from being uh, transmitted from one generation to the next generation in police officers because they learn that this is okay. Yeah. They learn that they can escalate without uh, any repercussions, per se. And uh, if anything, I hope your listening audience will learn, will learn from what I'm trying to say is that we need to concentrate 
on breaking that chain of the bad police officers giving the new police officers the wrong kind of training and how to deal with the public on the street. Yep. So I, I don't know if you have anybody else in line, but, uh, but who wants to weigh in on this subject? But the police officers are at that point, and then I'm going to go with this one last point. The gentleman before me said that we need to learn how to communicate. When they start beating on the guy the first time, no communication was going to work. Right. Because they had already gone into mode. They were already jacked up. They were already hyped up on adrenaline. And when he ran and got away, that just escalated beyond uh, uh, what you would say, being able to talk down the situation, cool off the situation. You needed to have somebody come in and physically intercede with those police officers because talking down at that point was was not going to happen because they were already jacked off on adrenaline. Yep, absolutely Thank true. You, Thank you. Thank you, Earl. Thank you so much. Let me take one last quick phone call because Eb- Debbie wants to end on a, on a happy note. What's up? What's up, Debbie? Hi, Caddy. Yes, and I, I just wanted to, to try and end this on a pleasant note for the weekend for you. You were so good yesterday. You were just terrific, and that's that. The whole forum was just wonderful. We all learned so much from yeah. it, and we appreciate it. We appreciate all you do, and I just wanted to thank you. And and you know these 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 things in life are horrible, and we know we have our struggles and our challenges. But um, you know the 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 better we can do next time, the the better life will be. That's right. You know, violence That's right. begets. Violence begets violence. That's the way it always is. Well, I, I appreciate ending on this note, Debbie. It was great to hear from you and great to see you yesterday. I've got to run. Have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you. I'll see you Sunday night. Bye. Excellent. I'll be at the Laugh Factory Sunday night. Thank you for reminding me, Debbie, at 7 o'clock show. And also, I'll be at the Copernicus Center for the Jefferson Park Sunday Market from 10 to 2. Devil's Advocate's up next. That's on Sunday at 10 to 2, by the way. Devil's Advocate next. Thank you, Lady B. Have a great weekend.